Hello and welcome to Moment of Truth. We are Bethel Campus Fellowship and our mission and vision is to lead students to Christ and prepare them to become reliable men and women whom God can entrust with his word for the next generation. My name is Sarah Aryi and I will be your host for today. We have some very special guests from the BCF Godly Relationship Movement. So I'll let them introduce themselves. First, we have Mr. Alemge. Hello, everyone. My name is Alemge. I'm the departmental head for BCF GRM. We are the relationship arm of BCF. I am a Towson alum, and I'm glad to be on this podcast. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. We also have Lou. Hi, everyone. My name is Lou. I can't everybody. I am a part of Godly Relationship Movement GRM, and I also help with whatever um, the department needs. I'm an alum of University of Maryland, College Park, go Terps. Awesome. So before we dive into today's topic, I actually want to just take a side note and just mention that Proclaim Freedom Crusade is actually coming up in a couple of weeks. This year is going to be in North Carolina at the University of North Carolina Greensboro on November 2nd. So if you're listening to this and you're in North Carolina or if you're in Maryland or Georgia, you should definitely plan to come. There will be transportation. If you need more information, just go to BethelCampusFellowship.com to find out more. Are you all going? Are you all excited? Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right. So for today's episode, it's actually going to be kind of a two-part series moving forward for the next two. So for today, it is Godly Relationships, part one. And um, we're going to be focusing on friendships today. So friendships with the same gender, the opposite gender, just how we navigate those things and overcome challenges. And our anchor scripture is going to be Proverbs 12, 26, which says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So I'm just going to go ahead and just pray real quickly before we get into it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just commit this time into your hands, Lord. I pray for us who are here speaking and for us who are here listening, God. Minister to all of us, Lord, because your word is truth and it gives us life. I pray, Lord God, for us in our friendships, God. We know that you have designed friendships for us, your people, as a source of strengthening and encouragement. So I just pray that, Lord, as we are listening here, that we would leave and just be encouraged to pursue pure and godly relationships. God, you give us grace to overcome the challenges and, you know, to remain in fellowship with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So I first just kind of want to ask you guys, what is even GRM? What is the godly relationship department? What do you all do? Why is it there? What is it for? And, you know, why would someone, you know, come to your department for any type of reason? All right. So we are GRM, godly relationship movement. And what does real mean? R-E-A-L. Reliable, exemplary, accolade worthy, loyal. And we're really about purity and righteousness. And really, you know, along with the, the vision of BCF of leading students to Christ and preparing them to become reliable men and women, really helping them in this area of relationships, helping them to walk in purity and righteousness. So we're a resource for them as they go through life, as they have questions about friendships, about relationships, about courtship. We are here to answer those questions for them, and we're really here to serve them. Awesome. Awesome. So GRM is not just for when you want to get married, but even with things pertaining to friendship, you guys are a resource. Awesome. All right. So let's dive in. Um, We're talking about friendship. I think it's important to just define, you know, what is a friend? How would you define what a friend is? If you look up just the general definition on the Internet, It says that a friend is a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Um, Pretty general, 
definition, I think, but we want to dive in kind of more in that. And I just want to ask you all, you know, what has been your experience with, you know, making friends in the ministry? Uh, you know, it's probably different from when you weren't saved. And then when you did get saved, you probably had to, you know, reevaluate your friendships and even pursue new friendships. So what's been your experience making friends as a Christian? All right. So generally I'm more reserved, but just coming into community, coming to ministry where people love and care for each other and desire to fellowship with each other, out of that flows friendship. So that was really my experience, being um, coming to a Bible study, seeing the love of Christ, being in that Bible study. And then as time went on, as you build relationships, as you fellowship, as you went to dinners together, as you read the Bible together, as you knew more people, the friendship developed, the friendship came. And that's really what my uh, my it has been for me. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's like what you put in is really what you get out of it. It reminds me of the scripture um, in Proverbs 18. Really, if you desire to have friends, like show yourself friendly. Yeah. Um, And when I first um, joined BCF, I think service, being able to be a part of a department, being able to serve alongside people who um, have a like vision or like um, outlook on life as you, but then also they're also in college, mm-hmm. you know, so you have college friends. And I remember one of the things that I was very excited about going to UMD was the fact that I knew that I would have a community there yeah. and I knew yeah. who was already there. So um, I do think that being able to serve and if, even if you don't have the opportunity, maybe you go to a smaller school and you're listening to this from far away, like really show yourself friendly. Don't um, when it comes to making friends, it's like one of those things that is going to push you out of your comfort zone. But mm. it's like I'm I'm going to pursue this because I know that um, it's good to have good company. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'd say for me. Friendship wasn't something that I really thought about too deeply. You know, people would say like, oh, fake friends or this friends or that friends. But I think when I did give my life to Christ, that was when the idea of friendships or just friendships in general just became something that was more than just a word to me. And I realized that I really had to be intentional about who I considered my friends and what I wanted in a friendship and what friendship was even for. And it got me thinking about, you know, what is that? What is a quality friendship? Because there's some friendships that don't really help you and you're not helping the person and some friendships that leave you feeling like you're worthless or worse than you were before you were that person's friend so I want to pose the question of you know what is a quality friendship what has that been for you or what would you say are things um you know to look for or to that you will you would point to to identify what a quality friendship looks like and if you want to share a personal experience you can but just you know what is a quality friendship all right so first of all let's let's you know Talk about when you hear the word friend, what comes up? You know, somebody that you're intimate with, right? You have maybe it's somebody that you favor, it's a favorite companion. It's someone that you care about, right? Mm-hmm. So when we, when I think of the word friend, I, I, the people that come to my mind in, in the Bible, you see the, the story of Jonathan and, and David. Yeah. Yep. That, that, that was quality friendship, right? So let's think about the, the story of, of Jonathan and David. He said the first time that, Jonathan met David. He says his, heart, his soul was knit to his soul. Mm-hmm. He said, Jonathan loved David as himself, mm-hmm. right? So what is, is quality friendship? Quality friendship is whereby you care for the person, right? You, you care for them. You love them. You guys are connected. Your soul is connected. The second one is uh, it's, it's with David and Jonathan, they both had love for God. Mm. They, they both have love for Jehovah. That's something that united them. Next, there was loyalty. Somebody that is, that is going to be loyal to you. Yeah. 
Even when Jonathan was, even though Jonathan was the next in line to Saul, even he, he did not even allow that to affect his relationship with David. He recognized that David was going to become the king. But he says, no, it's not about me. Forget my self-interest. I'm going to put your interest before mine. And the bond between them was great. And Jonathan was many years older than David. Mm. But it was humility. So you want a friend that is humble. Jonathan and David, they encouraged one another. They shared their emotions. There were times where they cried together. Right? They, came, they hugged each other. They cried. Mm-hmm. Right? Another beautiful scripture in, 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 second, in, in First Samuel, it talks about how Jonathan came and encouraged David in the Lord. He encouraged mm-hmm. his hand in the Lord when he was being chased by Saul in the woods. He said Jonathan came to encourage him in the Lord, to come and strengthen his hand in the Lord. Mm. right yeah so those are some things you should, you, we should be thinking about when we're talking about what is the quality friendship when when um david was lamenting in second samuel about jonathan you know what he said he, he says his love was great his love was was greater than his love of his love for, for women mm. so david jonathan's love for him was more than any love he ever experienced with a woman how profound is that pretty profound <laughs> So that's, that's what, when I think of quality friendship, that, that's what it is, is sacrificial. Mm. Jonathan sacrificed. He was even loyal. In fact, he had to be loyal even to, to his father, Saul, at the, at the same time loyal to David. But his love for God did, had an impact on how he assessed the situation. Mm. He died fighting for his father. Yeah. Yet his loyalty was still with David. Yeah. That's real. I think he covered that in regards to quality. Yeah. And I would say, if anything, when it comes to um, you as an individual, it's also like, what do you find important? And I think when you look at people, you look at your friendships, is, does this person exhibit traits and characteristics that I admire? You know, not only like they're above me or they're below me, but it's like, is there something about Sarah that I like and I want to learn from and I want to be close to her in order to really get that you know i think that's also of that that breeds um quality in a friendship like being able to influence one another like iron sharpens iron yeah you know yeah. you want to have that likeness um in regards to what can i gain from you not in the not in leeching terms but yeah. like what can we contribute to one another yeah i agree i think that's something that definitely when i think of quality friendships and even in my own personal life is definitely friendships whereby there is sharpening and you know, when I am weak, you know, you're able to be strong and help me in those things. Like Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one. You know, for one, when one falls, the other can help that person up. And I think about um, in Exodus 17, when um, the Israelites were going out for war and Moses had to hold up his staff. And, you know, when his staff would go down, they would begin to lose. And when yeah. his staff would be up, they begin to win. But there was a time where his hand got very tired. And the Bible says um, in verse 12 of Exodus 17, it says, but Moses's hands became heavy. So Aaron and her, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hand, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And I see there that, you know, there was a level of friendship where it's like, I'm not going to abandon you in your weakness, mm-hmm. but I'm going to see that as an opportunity for me to now lay my life down so that you can also be strong. And, you know, it, it makes me think of the scripture, you know, there's no greater love than one who will lay down their life for a friend, you know, until the sun went down. That's a very, very long time. But I think that is one of those things where 
you know, because you are my friend, I'm not going to run because I see weakness or challenges. But that's all the more reason why I'm going to stick even more closer. Like the Bible says, um, Proverbs 8.24, you know, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother closer than a brother. So I think, you know, quality friendships are where you have someone who's reliable. You can depend on them in in all times, not only when it's good, but even when it's bad. Um, I would say that for quality friendships. And it's important as a Christian to have quality friendships because, you know, I knew for I knew for me, when I came saved, it just became so clear that if I don't have the right friends, I'm going to fall back into the world. There's no way that I'm going to make it if, you know, I'm trying to pursue Jesus on my own time, but the people who I'm talking to and interacting with and hanging out with are going in the complete opposite direction. So I would encourage anyone, you know, whether you're a new believer or you're already in Christ and you're noticing that not all of your friendships are benefiting you. They're not helping you to grow. I would say, you know, really sit and reevaluate, you know, look at the scriptures and say, are these friendships quality friendships? You know, can it be compared to what I see, you know, Jonathan and David or, you know, Moses, Aaron and her? Do you you see those qualities? And I think it's good to say that God is all knowing because in the example that you gave with um, Moses, God knows that you need other people. Like he knows that we're human and that your hands will eventually get tired. But because her and Aaron were in that situation, they were able to offer help. So I think it's sometimes you... Well, when you so there sometimes gets into points into your life where you're like, I can do this all by myself. When in reality is God has put you in a place and put you in a community in order for you to receive help, mm. and, you know, and I think that's important to note that God knew that situation even before it happened. And right. he and it was situated in a way where it's like I have people that I can depend upon. And I think that's important to know as well. Yeah. So. Another thing I think of when I think of the Moses Aaron and her is that real friends don't let you or quality friends won't let you pretend. You know, the scripture could have omitted that part where, you know, it could have just said Moses's hand, his staff was up until the sun went down. But, you know, God was intentional in mentioning that, no, he had two people by his side helping to hold his hand up. He was tired. He grew weak. And so I think that, you know, in a quality friendship, you have people there who won't just let you pretend like everything is okay for the sake of friendship. But they will say like, hey, I noticed that, you know, something seems off. Let's talk. And because it's a friendship that, you know, you you are invested in and you trust you're able to open up and be vulnerable mm-hmm. and so you don't stay in that place of weakness you know you're empowered to keep growing yeah and ac- accountability as well yeah mm-hmm. accountability your friend your, your your good friend your friend that is a friend should rebuke you <laughs> yes no it's true and, and, and the bible says if just like god disciplines us it says if god does not discipline us then we are not his children mm-hmm. right yeah so part of that is this you know god disciplines us just like our friends should care for our well-being our spiritual well-being they should be able to rebuke us without us feeling like we need to distance from distance from them that's why they're there you can argue with them 365 days and then you guys still love each other you know mm-hmm. as long as you guys are pursuing um you guys like you guys are desiring to place each other above yourselves to really serve one another in the lord yeah yeah I agree. And the scripture that that makes me, that reminds me of is Proverbs 27, five to six. It says better is open rebuke than hidden love. Mm-hmm. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but then, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I think that's very true. I appreciate when friends can tell me the truth and say like, Hey, what you did was not right. Because in the long run, that is going to help me to grow as opposed to just, you know, la, 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 we're friends. I think it's, it's very important. Jesus did it too. You know, there are times where I remember the disciples when they were, were they in Samaria or somewhere, they were saying, these people are preaching the gospel, but they're not with us. Like, yeah. should we command fire to come down and strike them? 
Jesus was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. are you, are you, are you still yet foolish? And he sharply rebuked them, but they were still such close friends. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with that. Um, another question I want to propose is, you know, when you're in ministry and it's like, we're all brothers and sisters, um, in Christ, does that mean that everyone has to be my friend? You know, you have to fight to make everyone my friend now because we're all in the same ministry. We all have to get along and have fellowship. Does everyone now become my friend all of a sudden? No. <laughs> so it's a lot of people to befriend yes so I, I would like for us to you know look at the word friendship and look at the word fellowship we are Bethel Campus Fellowship not Bethel Campus Friendship <laughs> right so the point is that fr- friendship there's a certain intimacy there's a certain endearment that you have towards the other person and it, it might not it might not always be centered on Christ it might be that oh I like accounting he likes accounting it can be different things like that Right. But fellowship is a higher standard where no matter what you're in the body of Christ, the love of God is what unites us. It's yeah, Christ it's that is the center. Mm. You might not you know, have the same interest with those people. They might not be afraid. You might not have uh, the same likes and, uh, and the same dislikes. But the fact that Christ is what unites you is is greater. Yeah. So. So, no, you don't need to be friends with every. Every every person in the ministry, but you should be able to have perfect fellowship with them. Mm. I like that you distinguish that friendship and fellowship doesn't have to be the exact same thing. Because in the book of Acts, you know, thousands are being added to the church every single day. And I don't think that all of them were close friends. That kind of almost goes against the whole nature of a friendship being intimate. So, you know, I agree that although I'm not close friends with everyone, we do have fellowship together. I can see you and I can relate with you on the basis that we're all in Christ. And I think fellowship sometimes even goes beyond friendship and the fact that I don't know you from Adam, but because you're in Christ, automatically we have fellowship. You know, I can meet someone on the street and find out they're a Christian because of that, like we have a point of, of reference to talk to. We may not be friends after that day, but we do have that, you know, that fellowship like you mentioned. I think that's, that's very powerful. And it kind of alleviates the, I don't know, like the, the burden of the way to feel like I have to be close to everybody because we're yeah. all Christians is like, no, we can very much be in fellowship with each other without being close, close friends. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that when you are in a fellowship like BCF, it's also important that even though you may, you still have the openness, I guess. Like yeah. I'm open to you to like building a friendship with you because you don't want to get stuck in the elitist mindset where I got my friends, girl, mm-hmm. no new friends. You know, you want to be able to say like, I, I'm open to you becoming my friend. And if you're putting in effort and if you're showing like, oh, I want to be intentional in order to become friends, I feel like the mark of Christ is saying like, yeah, I'm open to that because yeah. back in the world is like, oh no, there's levels to different people that you can be access to. And I feel like we have to, kind of um push past that and not to mm-hmm. just develop clicks and say like okay these are my friends and I'm only going to talk to these people but kind of branching out because you want to impact you want to cre- create a greater influence yeah. and I feel like you show that by showing Christ to everybody so even though you don't have to be friends with everyone um I think it's when people do approach you in such a big ministry at least you know showing that effort and showing that intentionality like I'm I'm open you know to the possibility as yeah well. right so this the scripture talks about how um, the apostles gave Paul the right hand of fellowship. Mm. It's, it's, I believe those who are already in ministry, when a, a young convert, for example, somebody joins the ministry, I believe it's the responsibility of those who have been there, those who may be mature in Christ, to extend that right hand of fellowship yeah. in welcoming 
the new convert welcoming the people into 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 community yeah. yes. so I, I think that's very key so where that's not happening I, the, the people who are coming in, into that into that community you know do the things that we just talked about but i would encourage those who are within the community those who have already been there those who are matured in christ mm. to extend the right hand of fellowship that we see in galatians chapter 2 verse 9 i agree i i do agree because sometimes we always say to the person who's looking for friends like you know be friendly which is you know true do be friendly but then also on those who are already in the community there's a responsibility on our part too to like you said welcome people in you know because if i walk into a room and everyone's already in their own you know friendships praise god your friendships are awesome but there's also fellowship happening here and that even transcends like in that moment you know we're here for fellowship not for friendship part two it's for you know it's now a community thing so i definitely agree and it was powerful even with paul because he was coming from a place of persecuting Christians and they were almost afraid of him. But right. God cared so much about the fellowship that he spoke to the disciples and said, hey, Paul is coming, you know, welcome him. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. And, and if, if I could even take it a little bit, a, a step higher, you know, when the Bible talks about things like love your enemies, that's a higher standard where the Bible says, what benefit is it if you only love those who love you yeah. or only it's lend easy. to those who lend you or, or give to only those who give you, right? Right. What, what benefit is it? Mm. But it says what? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. So in the same way, what benefit is it where you're only loving those who love you or, or extending your little click, right? But, but the Bible desires us to do more. Mm. Where it's loving those who you may not know. Yeah. Loving those who you may think are younger in Christ or who are new converts. An older person in Christ should be able to have perfect fellowship with somebody who's younger, who's a baby in Christ. I agree. Because what bonds us is Christ. Just like Jonathan, who was many years older than David, could have fellowship with David. Mm. Yeah. And it reminds what you said reminds me of Hebrews 12, 14, like just pursuing peace with all men. All and men, even though yeah. peace is sometimes what we say in regards to offense, but you also want to pursue peace in regards to someone trying to be your friend, you know, making sure that you also are responding to that and trying to welcome them as much as you can. Mm. So we're kind of talking generally on on friendships, but I do want to kind of specifically now talk about friendships when it's of the opposite gender. So, you know, male, female kind of thing, because that oftentimes leads to pretty sticky situations, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes situationships, which we can address as well. But I just want to talk about when it comes to friends, when you're a friend, when you're a male or female and you're pursuing or you're in a friendship with someone of the opposite gender, um, you know, what are the limits? What are the boundaries? You know, how do you even, um, how do you, how do you remain pure in such a thing? You know, can a guy and a girl be intimate friends? Is that, is that possible for a Christian? Is that encouraged for a Christian? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, with when we can start off with talking about first Timothy five um, and it says, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you let this um, really guide you as an individual, as a brother or a sister, I think it, it really helps. And when it comes to being best friends or intimate friends with a person of the opposite sex, you really have to say like, well, if I was married and I was in a, and I was going to be like in a relationship would this with this friendship that I have with the opposite gender, would it maintain, right? Would I have all confidence to say like, this is the friendship that I have with this individual and it's, and it's pure and it's all of these things. Like, will it still stand? Mm -hmm. And I feel as though a lot of times when you get into a relationship, those, um, 
a lot of friendships, not all, but sometimes the friendships that you do have with opposite genders kind of fade away. And not because the person had ill will or ill motives, but really you just start to realize that this is a standard that I upkeep. And if I'm going to treat you in all purity as a brother, that's what the standard of a brother is to me. And, you know, sometimes when you really get honest about it, a lot of times people don't want to be treated as purity and as a sister or as a brother. They want it to be treated even more than. So I feel like when it comes to opposite gender best friendships, I, I, I really don't see how you know, that really translates when a person does get married, you know, and if, if your friendship cannot translate, you really have to look at it and, and be honest with yourself. Like, is, is this, is this pure as I'm saying is it is. Right. So, yeah. I agree. So you can maintain fellowship. Again, uh, let me start by professing that there's nothing unscriptural about having friends of the opposite sex. And it's, it's okay to recognize beauty in the opposite sex, but you know, then there's temptation and then there's sin. So you have to watch. Now, you can have friends of the opposite sex, but the word I want to say is exclusive, mm-hmm. right? There shouldn't mm-hmm. be any exclusivity where you're, you're only a friend with one particular sister, right? And neither should you be trying to cross, you know, sexual boundaries, right? Yeah. So that's really something that we have to, we have to really keep in mind is it shouldn't be exclusive. Like, like the scripture that um, Louis just read, you know, as your brother, treat um, um, sisters, you know, treat the other ladies as your sisters. You know, really, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, how is it's not, how will you want your t- sister to be treated by another guy? Mm-hmm. Really, that's another way of seeing it, right? How will you want other guys to treat your own sister? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I think uh, one of the marks of maturity is honesty. And I feel it's important that, you take a look at yourself and you're honest. Like, am I truly treating this sister as a sister? Right. And am I truly treating this brother as a brother? And I feel being able to analyze that and be honest with yourself really is one of those things that kind of is a marking of maturity. Like mm-hmm. I'm honest with myself and I can say no, or I can say yes, or I can say um, this is this is where I can actually improve. And I feel when you get older, um, not not only older, but just more mature in general. I feel like you're able to kind of decipher and have discernment. Mm. I, I think a lot of this comes down to like having that discernment and being able to decipher from right right from wrong. Yes, you know? I agree. Um, it makes me think of Philippians one nine, where it says, "This is my prayer that your love will abound and increase in knowledge and in discernment." And so I agree. There is a there is a um you you need discernment when it comes to these things. I think it takes. It takes two people for there to be, you know, a situation ship or boundaries crossed. You know, one person can definitely shut it down and it's shut down. But I think, you know, when our hearts are impure and either we are aware of it and we ignore it or, you know, we are aware of it and we're kind of dancing around it or just trying to see where it could go without going too far. It ends up leading to to sin, to heartbreak, to, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know. I think we should even just address, you know, situationships because people may not may not know what that is. Um, it's essentially, if I'm not mistaken, it's where you're you have a situation type relationship <laughs> with somebody where there's no commitment. You haven't said, you know, your intentions or anything like that. But, you know, you maybe think that person likes you because they're acting a certain way and they probably think the same. But mm-hmm. there has never been any nothing is clear. It's kind of up in the air. Yeah. And usually what happens is that they end. Mm-hmm. very abruptly or very painfully and then you're left kind of with no type of closure yeah. and um 
I just I just want to kind of talk about that. You know, how do you um, avoid those type of things? Because we're talking about, you know, opposite center relationships. And what do you do if you find yourself in that kind of situation? Okay. Uh, I, can, I can say something about that. There's a scripture that says uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, right? It says, do not lie to each other since mm-hmm. you are picking off your old self with its practices. Ooh. There I see that situation is a practice of the old self. Yeah. Mm. Exclusivity without commitment. Hmm. Where, where are you headed to? Really? Because a lot of times in a situation, from what I understand, one person does not know what is happening. As we go to campuses, as we receive questions from, from, pan, from panel discussions, one of the questions I received was, is it ever appropriate for a lady to ask a guy to define a relationship? I said, yes, <laughs> if you do not want to be deceived. Yes. Right? When I hear the word I was led on, you were deceived. <laughs> That's what it means to be led on, right? It means to be deceived, to be lied to, and nobody wants that. Yeah. Right? So a situation ship is where the brother, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the brothers. Maybe Luke can talk to the sisters. <laughs> <laughs> brothers, it is evil for you to talk to one particular sister only and be exclusive with her, and then you turn around and marry somebody else. Right? The brothers have... We are the initiators. It is up to us to be able to be, both parties need to define our intentions at all times. Mm. And sisters, you have, I believe you have to guard your heart. If you have to get to a point where it's like, oh, he needs to define the, 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 the relationship. That means you're in a situation. And you're driving 80 miles to go jump up the cliff, but you can pump the brakes and turn around. Yeah, because where is that going to lead to? Because that's what that's how hurt it comes about. Because when it happens, when it ends abruptly, like Sarah said, what happens? You feel hurt. It's like, oh, he didn't really like me. Then you start having um, self esteem issues. Like, why didn't he like me? Or why, you know, what's wrong with me? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's 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 not good. And that's why talking to the brothers, I would say, please do not do that. <laughs> yeah, and I. I think uh, even with situationships, like let's say the two people do know that they're in a situationship and they they blatantly know that. I feel a lot of times situationships develop because of the lack of transparency, because you don't know what's really going on. You're like, okay, I can't tell my mentors yet. I can't tell GRM yet because I don't even know what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So because of that lack of transparency, it creates that that secret. You know, and I feel as though when you are able to share with your mentor or with somebody that's just like able to keep you accountable, it it breaks that. Mm-hmm. Like so-and-so is texting me, even if you don't know anything, because sometimes we may not have the words to really describe it. Right. Because you can't really say, oh, I think he likes me. But maybe it's like he's texting me five times a week and he's calling me two times a week. I feel like even if you don't have the words to to really say like, oh, so-and-so likes me, I think you can say like what the actions are. Because yeah. I think that creates transparency and it breaks it like, no, I'm not going to do this in secret. Because when I do it in secret, that's actually what causes things to just no, not go well. Yes. And it's when it's done in secret, it, does, it just doesn't produce life on mm. a lot of times. Yeah, I agree. I think when you're ever in a situation ship where you can't tell anyone about it. It's not something that's honorable or noble. Like you can't tell your mentor like, oh, this this is what's going on. I think that's a very, very, I guess, like red flag that this is not this is not pure and it's not, you know, it's not 
holy, you know? And I think, you know, with any relation that you have, you should be able to openly say, you know, this is what is going on. And if you can't, that may be an indication that this is not, you know, of the Lord, it's not fruitful. Um, I was thinking of the scripture, Proverbs 25, 28, which says, like a city whose walls are broken is a person who lacks self-control. Mm. And I think that a lot of it is a lack of self-control, you know, for the brothers on that one part, whether, you know, you know or not, you are the ones to initiate and you have to know when you are doing something that is, you know, leading someone in the wrong way or giving them the wrong message. Like you have to take responsibility for your actions. You can't just say, well, women's are emotional and, you know, they breathe and now they want to marry you or mm-hmm. you blink and then they think you, they like you. Like you have to understand the fact that you are a man. You have to be clear about like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't send mixed signals. I think of it as, you know, if I'm driving behind someone and they're telling me to follow them but they're not using their turn signal and then they bust the left and it's like when were you gonna signal your intention before you just went out of the way like you have to understand that you're a man and that's just fact and you know you have to exercise self-control you can't just treat a woman anyhow you want to you know having the understanding that they could possibly begin to think one thing or another and the same thing goes for women too like you can't think that every guy who is reaching out to you likes you and if you do think that they are you know, don't allow yourself to now give into it because it takes two people for these things to happen. Whereas one person can easily say, you know what, I'm not going to allow my heart to, you know, just be subject to these things and I'm going to say no and, you know, report this person to a mentor or to GRM and have them step in. So I think that, you know, having that self-control and knowing that I'm not going to give into this because God made us to like each other, you know, like he gave us these emotions is going to happen. But I think self-control is is important to to end these things or even prevent them from happening altogether. I would like for us to I would like to hear your opinion about um, the appearance of being over friendly, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the body of Christ, because sometimes it could be a sister that has been overly, overly friendly. Yeah. You know, when, when I read the scripture of, of, of Joseph and Potiphar, Potiphar's wife is they said she had a longing eyes. She had a longing eyes. Wait, that look of, hey, the way she looking looking at me like this. It's does, she, does she like me? Uh-huh. Or, or she said this, she said that. So, um, sisters, what what do you think about that? You know, how should sisters, you know, behave where, you know, their over friendliness or just in their, I don't know how it is, where yeah. it does not give off the wrong message of, I think she likes me. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of times that's a lot of hard work that an individual has to do Um, because when you are in Christ, all things are made new, right? Meaning you're a new creature. But a lot of times what you said earlier, you're kind of bringing in that old nature from when you were unsaved and now you're saved and you're trying to utilize that same nature. So a lot of times when it comes to the process of salvation, there is also the process of sanctification. So a lot of your actions have to be sanctified and, and what you used to believe and what you used to do. So maybe you're being overly friendly by always like lingering and talking and laughing and touching and doing all those things. And someone is defining those actions as how, you know, how maybe it's just defined. Like those actions are defined as, someone may be expressing interest. Like if that's what you understand those actions as. And I feel like as a believer, you kind of have to sanctify that and you have to renew that and actually allow God to continuously renew what you believe and what you're doing. So it's not sending those wrong signals or not sending those wrong like impressions to people. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I agree. I think in Christ, things have to become new. But the reality is that 
when you get saved, you still wake up with the same mind, the same thought life, the same patterns. Like your spirit is very much made new. But like you said, sanctification has to happen. Um, in Hebrews 10, 14, it says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So God has made us perfect, but we're still being made holy. And I think that's evident in these kind of things where someone is maybe too overly friendly or they're hugging a guy a little bit too close and you're starting to feel things you shouldn't feel. And I think, um, you know, what it comes down to is that element of sanctification. I think someone who is actively going before the Lord and saying, God, like I, I see in myself that I still need to be made holy, be made pure. Um, you know, those things will slowly begin to, you know, fall away. Cause even for myself, there was a time where when I first got saved, I mean, in the world yesterday, I was hugging guys. So I'm saved now. I can still hug guys. Right. Mm -hmm. But the more I spent in the presence of God, things just have to change. You know, your mindset begins to change through the word of God. And that's why having mentorship and accountability is so important because they can tell you, you know, the life you lived before you can't live anymore. And even the Holy Spirit too teaches us these things. And so, you know, I would say for, if I'm speaking as a sister to sisters, I would say you have to be cautious of these things. You can't say like, well, I treat my own brother this way. Like I do this with my own personal brother. So what's the difference? You have to recognize that there is a devil who wants to use any foothold to come in and, you know, cause there to be temptation and sin. Like you must be mindful of that. It can't be a passive thing. Like I'm actively thinking my actions could possibly lead someone to think X, Y, and Z. Like I'm consciously thinking about these things. And because of that, it leads me to do or not do certain things. So for sisters, we cannot act like we're ignorant. We cannot act like we don't know that guys are visual and that things can easily stimulate somebody. And because I have this understanding, I'm not going to go and, you know, give a guy a really tight knit hug, or I'm not going to go and be sending a guy kissy face emoji. You know what I mean? Like different things like that. I just won't do because I have this understanding. So I'd say those two things, one, you know, continually being before God to be sanctified. And then also to having the understanding that, you know, things can easily, very easily go south. Yeah, that reminds me, what you were saying reminds me of the scripture, um, James 4, 17. So any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it to him, it is sin. Mm -hmm. So maybe what you do with your brother, like, okay, that's how I grew up with my brother. And you're trying to translate it into another community. But if that is considered sin, that's sin. So to still yeah. do it is kind of rebellious. Mm -hmm. That's how I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how like I see it. Like when, and then also in the scriptures, like when in Rome, do is the Romans. So meaning that yeah. if this is not what is okay in this community and we have decided that this is how we're upholding purity and upholding holiness, then assimilating to that, but not saying like, oh no, I'm not going to do that and just be rebellious. And then it can cause people to stumble. Right. Kind of like the, the ceremonial washing, I believe in the scriptures when um, Jesus was, well, they were saying, well, your disciples didn't ceremoniously wash their hands and they're eating and they're sinning. And and it, it, it just created this perception of, well, well this is, this is, this can be considered sin to them. So because this can be considered sin, like how can we, as a, as a people make sure that we're still honoring that? I yeah. don't know if that makes sense. I think there has, there has to be pure love there. Yes. I don't yeah. think that any of this can happen if there's not pure love. Like you are genuinely looking out for the well being of your brother or your sister. Like you're genuinely looking out for them to, to do well and to grow well in Christ without any type of you know, just stumbling blocks. And I think when you have that pure love that only comes from God, then, you know, these things almost become second nature because now it's God's love that's working in me and working through me. I just wanted to read Romans 15 verse one and two. It says, we who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
Each of us should please our neighbor for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. It's basically what it's saying is that even if you think, you know, but I'm strong, like I'm not feeling anything, like I'm okay, like he has an issue, like he's the one dealing with lust, like why should I have to do anything? But it's if you actually are walking in love and modeling what Christ did, then you're going to look how to build up the other person. You're going to look up not how to please yourself and be okay with yourself and justify yourself, make excuses for yourself, but how can I build this other person? Like, what should I do? How, what does love look like for, for me now as I'm relating with this brother? That's real. And I want to ask you, Alemge, what would you say to, you know, the brothers? Because oftentimes I'm going to keep it real. <laughs> brothers make messes. They leave and make excuses. So you were talking to this girl, you were texting her past 10 p.m. till 12 a.m. You were calling her, telling her good morning, saying let's hang out, da 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 All of a sudden, she's scrolling and sees that you're married and there was no closure. Or let's just say you just stopped cold, cold turkey or pretend like you didn't know what was going on. I thought we were just friends. But let's be real. A lot of times we know what we're doing. So what would you say to the brothers who are honestly leading leading sisters on and then leaving them hanging and pretending like it never happened. Mm. Repent. <laughs> Repent and don't be selfish. Because again, when we when I think of placing other people before yourself, think about how that impacts that sister. Yeah. You know, and, and, and sometimes it, it can mess up her reputation. Mm-hmm. Because oh, the other yeah. guys see that, hey, I thought you guys were so close. Like the reason why I wasn't even praying about you because I saw you were so close to the other guy, mm. right? It can mess up her reputation in the future. It can it can hinder her in that community from 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 finding some, from getting married because there was an appearance that you guys were being exclusive and it was leading somewhere else. So it can lead to distrust. So I w- I would tell the brothers not to be selfish, um, to really search their hearts. Don't think of yourself. Don't think about your own selfish desires, your own selfish expectation. Really allow the Lord to lead you in, in a decision. If, it's, if you believe the Lord is leading you to marry, do it the right way. Mm. Bring in mentors, come into, into light. Express yourself. Seek the Lord, pray, the Lord will answer. He mm. said, if you ask him for, for, for fish, he will not give you a stone. If you ask him for a fine thing, he's going to give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say to the person that says that they want to get to know before they make that decision? So maybe their process is, well, I got to know so-and-so. Maybe I didn't like this characteristic, but then they left that situation with X and it's now bad. And now they go to the next person. They're still trying to get to know that person. What would you say to that individual where where their reasoning is, well, I personally want to get to know the person prior to committing to and to being in a relationship with them. Mm. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can mm. know it? <laughs> you can know somebody for three months, for 10, five years, but really God knows everybody's heart. That's what I'll say. You can do all manner of investigation. You can do all manner of vetting, anything, but this peace, there's confidence where you know that you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Right, sure, you, you go and do that. If that works for you, praise God. But as for me, I want to know the will of the Lord. I'm not going to rely on my subjective understanding of, this, of, of the other person because when you go on dates or whatever, it's superficial. They only tell you what you want to hear or, 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 <laughs> or there's no, there's no, there's no uh, like you, you don't know them wholly. And that's why you really need to trust the Lord in, when it comes to to that 
and and even you know talking about the whole issue of, of dating and, and back to the scripture where we talked about um what might be fine for you might not be fine you know might lead somebody else to, to fall astray right mm-hmm. why do i say that you may feel that as a believer you're strong enough right to go on dates with different guys or as a or as a guy go on dates with different girls and and not fall into any kind of lust or liking or emotions right but for a new convert or another brother who sees you and says, ah, can these people really do that? And then he goes and starts having this, but he's not strong enough like you to be able to resist, mm. right? And then he goes and have a date, has errors, which is uh, emotional love, and then that leads to sin. Mm. So we really need to be spirit-led in everything that we do. Yeah. Go out in groups, you know, fellowship. Learn to know, learn to, learn to know the other person in, in groups, that's what I would, I would encourage. But do not let what you think is fine for you to be, you know, cussing for somebody else. Right. Yeah. I feel like you can only get to know someone but so much before it becomes too intimate. Yeah. Like uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul said, I desire to know no one after the flesh, but only after the spirit. And I, I think that relates even to friendships. Like how much can you know about someone before you now are you've crossed a certain boundary. You you can't really go back because you've now gotten to know them in that way. And I agree with what you're saying. I feel like in fellowship, you're actually like, you're able to see people's character because yeah. you see them when they have responsibility, how they handle it, how they don't. Like you're able to see when you go out in groups. Um, and even if this person is, let's say this person is across the country, like you're in one state, they're in another state. I think that if, again, your heart is set on purity, you will find a way to find out about this person without having to actually have an intimate relationship with them. You will figure out who their mentor is, who's their pastor, what are they saying about them without the person even having an idea. And that avoids the whole mingling of souls. Yeah. And I think that mentorship piece is very key because it's like, or not only the mentorship, also reputation. Mm -hmm. Because you'd be surprised how many things that are being said about an individual simply by how, like, maybe if they're being messy about a situation. Because you can come to somebody in GRM, you can come to a Lemge and you may say, like, oh, so-and-so is, like, texting me and they they haven't told me what's going on, but they're texting me, they're calling me, and he can probably say, well, mm, just know that that person does that a lot. You know, don't don't take it, don't take it that (laughs) serious. And I feel like that really saves people because because when it comes to saying like oh maybe this person's expressing interest if your if your mentor tells you don't take that person seriously that's just how they are you're not going to take them seriously yeah. you're going to just make sure that you're minding your business and you say okay you see the messages and you're and, you, and you're able to have those boundaries and guard your heart mm-hmm. you know how it's supposed to so i think that's also very um key yeah i think it's it's, it's so true understanding and just having that knowledge and wisdom, it helps you to now filter what you're seeing. So now I don't just see it as this person is texting me all the time, but I see that, okay, this person does this, but I'm not going to fall into that trap yeah. anymore. And because I'm not entertaining it, it can't go anywhere because mm-hmm. it like my door, is, my door is shut. And that honesty piece. Don't say like, oh, the person is texting me, calling me, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. I feel like honesty is really what's going to take us like far and help yeah. us mature in that area. Mm. And as we um, are talking about this, I want to also just how can someone who has gone through this and, you know, has faced a heartbreak because of this, how can they overcome? You know, what do you do when such a thing has ended and you're still in the same community? You still see this person. You know, how do you how do you live with that? How do you, you know, overcome that and still, um, you know, have hope towards, you know, one day the right person will come, even though this person is still there in fellowship? 
Yeah. I think a lot of it is having to do a, a lot of um, heart works. I want to pull up Proverbs 16, 3. Um, Proverbs um, 16, 3 in the Amplified Version, it says, commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. Mm -hmm. This scripture has like really gotten me through a lot of things. And I feel when you recognize that you've gone through a situation or you've gone through a situationship and it's not it didn't help or something, something happened and it just ended abruptly. And now as a person, you have heartbreak. I feel like you have to let yourself heal because a lot of times you kind of blame yourself. You shame yourself. Like I shouldn't have gone through this. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have been naive. This shouldn't have happened. And you may have those feelings, but at the end of the day, you really just have to go through the process of healing. I need to heal. I need to roll the works, roll my works upon God and trust that God is going to really like, heal my heart. And you know, time and a lot of times healing doesn't just come in one wave. You know, healing is always like a it, it, it's over time. And when you're sharing this with like a mentor and you're letting them know like I was heartbroken and I was hurt and this this really like brought me down, help, letting them guide you and lead you, but then also just submitting to them, I think also allows like that healing to really transpire. Um yes. and when you're in that same community with the person, it's really hard because you want an apology a lot mm-hmm. of times. You like I want you to own your part in this and you have to really recognize it's like one of those things accepting the apology that you may never get yeah you know I'm accepting it I'm saying like even though you're not going to say that you're wrong I realized that what had happened or what transpired was not was not of God and it was not Mm -hmm. healthy and it hurt me and because it hurt me I'm choosing to say like God I need your healing and help me to really overcome and I don't think that when it comes to reconciliation it's saying like oh now I have to be buddy buddies with this person again like texting them again and and being like that's not necessary like you said we're in fellowship we're not in friendship I'm not required to, to maintain that same level so if there's things that you need to do in order to really heal maybe it is unfriending that well not unfriending them like but maybe it is not following them on instagram like little stuff like that like not keeping up with their everyday actions if that is what you need to do then that's necessary i feel like yes even as believers there's a level of even having wisdom you don't want to get back into the same and then end up falling again yeah you know i think because you know this kind of reminds me of the scripture when when the person when he was um healed of the demons or the demons were um when he was delivered and it's like if you don't close that up it can come back seven times more yeah you know and i feel like that's important for us to really take in heart or take in mind as well Mm. that's right yeah forgiveness is really an attitude of the heart really you have to forgive and the bible tells us to pursue peace with all men we quoted this earlier today yes and that may mean staying away from them (laughs) but um yeah you can still remain in, in, in fellowship, but you don't have to be buddy-buddy with them. Yeah, I agree. And also just knowing that God is able to heal. It may not be an overnight thing, or it may still be challenging when you see that person, but God is able to heal. I love Jeremiah um, 8.22, where it says, Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Then why is there no healing for the wound of my people? Right. Essentially saying like, you know, is Jesus Christ not that bomb of Gilead? Is he not there? So he's definitely able to heal. And I love the um, the scripture you mentioned about, you know, the man who got the legion of demons casted out of him. And, you know, how it says that if you don't feel, if you're not filled 
then they're going to come back seven times worse. Yeah. I think that's so key. Like receive, like receive the healing of God, be filled all the more with the Lord so that there will no longer be an opportunity for that door to be opened again. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I definitely agree. But let's also talk about other challenges. So not even just opposite gender, but even same gender, you know, yeah. if you face a conflict with a friend and let's say it's just not working out or, you know, you were hurt by a friend or a friend, you know, lied behind your back. What do you know? What do you do in those situations? Do you always have to reconcile or is it OK to grow apart? You know, do friendships like must you keep the friendship by all means or under what circumstances do you, you know, break the friendship? And how do you do that? Do you break friendships? Well, I, w- I would say it's again pursue peace you, you you can talk about it and you guys can go your separate ways if it's not going to be beneficial because although as christians we forgive and we forgive people's sins and love covers a multitude of sins there's something called memory that, that does not forget situation yeah the memory of what happened always comes back and 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 sometimes when, if you're with that person again, it, it just brings back that memory, mm. right? But um, you can always move on, maintain fellowship with them. You might not be um, their best of friends, but people grow apart. The people who you're friends with in kindergarten and grew up with, they might not be your closest friend because life happens, situations happen. As long as there's no ill hurt, as long as you can still say, hey, if Jesus will ask you, are you able to have fellowship with that guy right now? You say yeah. yes. Yeah, there's no offense. There's no offense. I can yeah. have fellowship with him. Mm. Yeah, I think that's important. And it, the scripture, Amos 3, 3, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? I think a lot of times when we, when what we find commonality in, what we find commonality is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then beyond that, it's like if we're continuously finding the differences, maybe in our personalities or maybe in character, maybe in, te- in integrity, as long as there's no offense that is keeping the two individuals apart, it's okay to decide and, and say like, okay, we, we're, we're walking separately you know because we're not agreeing in the direction that we're walking in and if we cannot agree in how we're going to walk but there's no more walking that can be done Mm. you know and i think that that is okay um as long as the the level of i'm not offended at at a lemge and i can know i don't even want to see a lemge i feel like that's when you're you need to come back and say okay there needs to be healing you know and that you can go through the matthew 18 process like you know calling each other and then calling a mentor and then gathering everybody you can go through that process to reconcile the offense but i also think that if there is no offense and it's just like maybe we just grew apart and each person has agreed and maybe like there's a level of intentionality that i've shown and the other person has shown i think it's okay to say like okay, we're moving apart. But I do think the older that we get, it's also important to show that intentionality to say like, no, I'm interested in you. And I'm not just because maybe I'm in another life phase or but just because I'm pursuing my PhD or I got married or I have a baby, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not interested in you. And I think expressing that, like, I'm still interested in you as a friend. um, I think that's also important that the person is not on the back end or on another side festering you know through thoughts that may have happened that may not even be true Mm. a lot of the times i agree um i wanted to read matthew 5 from verse 23 and it says therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift 
And this scripture always stood out to me because it says, if you remember that someone else has an offense against you, not that you're the one that's offended. Yeah. And it's like, sheesh, if I remember that someone else has brought this to my attention, I can't just ignore it. You know, if someone has said, you know, something is not right here or, you know, this hurt me or this offended me. I just can't keep living my life as if everything is okay. You know, God doesn't even want my sacrifice at the altar. He says, no, 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 put it down and then go and reconcile first and come back. And like you said, reconciliation doesn't mean that you now have to be best of friends, but you do have to sit down and talk it out. And I think as Christians, like we have to learn how to do that, communicate, share what happened, how are you feeling, what was going through your mind, what, you know, what happened so that one, the enemy can't now begin to like lie to each other. Now yeah. you hate each other, but you can actually move forward. Whether it is, okay, you know what? We're all gonna, we are going to fight for this friendship and make it work. Or, you know what? Like, I still love you with all my heart, but, you know, it's not going to be how it was before because we're, we're not walking in the same direction. So it's important to not ignore these things. Um, we've covered a lot. You know, <laughs> we talked about what friendship is, talked about opposite gender friendships and also overcoming challenges. But I do want to give you all the opportunity just to share Maybe, you know, your, your closing statement, you know, one or two minutes of just, you know, what you want someone to take home or just a specific thing you want someone to hear, whether encouragement, um, a word, a scripture, all three. Um, we can start with you, Lemke, and then we'll go back over here. So I, I like to remind us that the reasons why we talk about these things, it's not just for ourselves, but that our lives will be a testimony of Christ, mm. that in our actions, in our, in our interactions, with, 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 with other people, be a guy or a sister, our life should be a fragrance mm. that tells, that points to Jesus. Our life should be a clear testimony in all our actions. Whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. We have to continue to put others before ourselves. I, I, will, I will encourage us to you know, study the, the, the words one another in the Bible, where the Bible t- says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Live, uh, pursue peace with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Mm. Let us study those words. And that will really help us to understand how to really walk uh, relationships, friendships, uh, courtship, marriage. Let our lives be a clear testimony about our relationship with Christ. Let our lives tell the gospel. Well, preach the gospel too. But, you know, I, 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 our lives should testify of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I think the scripture, while we were talking, I don't know why, but one of the scriptures that keeps um, I keep remembering is Philippians 4.11, um, when Paul was just saying, like, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to, how to abound. Mm-hmm. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And I just, just having that contentment in every phase of your life, whatever it is, whatever is coming at you, learning the flow and how to adjust in that. Um, that's one of the scriptures that I want to leave today and really like that's what's on my heart in regards to the whole conversation about friendships and how to overcome challenges or how to um, even act when I'm in a friendship and how to overcome situationships, things like that. That's mm-hmm. the scripture that I feel like um, really stands out to me. Amen. I would say John 13, 35, it says, by this, everyone would know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it's a pretty broad term. So, you know, loving not just those who are your friends, but even those who you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ, just extending that love, no matter what has happened in the past, 
you know, the Bible says, forget the former things. And now we press on towards the mark. So, you know, just asking God for that grace to forgive, even when you've been deeply hurt, overlooking offenses, loving at all times, believing the best about people, even if they've done the worst to you. And just above all, also choosing love, knowing that, you know, when people see us love like this, even when in our right minds, maybe we shouldn't love them like this. It points them to Christ. You know, how can you love in the midst of offense? How can you love in the midst of betrayal? How can you love when this person did that to you or all these different things? But when the world sees that kind of love, it points them to God. And that's what our lives are about at the end of the day, you know, glorifying Christ and him being on display in our lives. So, you know, by the grace of God, the Lord will really help us to to really love. The other closing remark I'll say really quickly when it comes to friendships is also just like the anchor scripture says in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Mm. And the reality is that, you know, your friendships will either, you know, help you or even, or or break you. And with Jesus, you know, he had his 12 disciples, but there were those who he had when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John. The others weren't there. So just knowing like, who are those friends who are supposed to be there when it's in my times of deepest weakness, those who I can be completely open with so that I'm not living a life on my own or where I have to pretend, but I can bear it all with you. And also those who just should be my friends. You know, it's not bad to have 12 friends. Jesus did it. Um, So yeah, I I pray that we're all encouraged concerning friendships. Um, You know, continue to listen on. This is just part one with the Godly Relationship series. Um, In the next part, we're going to be talking about singleness, courtship, and marriage, how to navigate that whole journey. But I pray that you're encouraged no matter what spectrum you fall on and that, you know, in your heart, you will just seek to pursue godly love with your brothers and sisters. Amen. 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 So on that note, we're just going to close out in prayer. So Father, in Jesus name, we just want to thank you, God, for your word, which helps us when it comes to topics like this. I thank you, Lord, because even your Holy Spirit is very real and able to teach us and make these things plain to us, God. I pray for um, the ministry of BCF, oh God, for all the women and men who you're raising up to be reliable. I pray that God, the, the, the element of friendship will not be a stumbling block for us. It will not be something that causes a stench, um, you know, unto you, oh God. Help us, Lord, to just show brotherly love to one another. Help us to bear with one another, oh God, to be patient. Father, help us to extend grace, you know, when we see other shortcomings. And I just pray that God ask for us, that people would look at us and see the love of God, despite the scars and the wounds that have happened. I pray that we would still above all else, choose to love one another with the love of God. God, we know this is only possible by your grace and by your mercy. So we pray that you would help us, Lord. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. 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 So if you need help in the area of relationships, whether friendships, or pursuing marriage, please, please, please reach out to GRM. You guys don't bite, right? We don't bite at all. I know that. <laughs> at all, guys. We're not. We don't bite. Promise. I. They're very friendly people. I can. I can vouch for them. GRM is a great resource. It's a great tool, and they're here to help. So please, please, how can people um contact GRM? Is there an email? Yes, there is an email. I'm pulling it up right now, so I give you guys the the right email. Um, you can reach us directly at relationship, relationship real. So when you spell that, it's R E A L A T I O N S H I P at Bethel campus fellowship.com. You can email us there. Awesome. And just for everyone's knowing when people reach out to you, it's confidential. You're not going to go and like be sharing and stuff like that. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, very confidential. Yeah. It's a trustworthy resource, guys. Reach out to DRM. They're here for our help. And thank you so much, Lulu and Alemge. God bless you. And stay tuned for more episodes.